The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. All right, 3 John, chapter number 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Would you bow in prayer with me, and would you just ask the Lord quietly there in your seats? Uh, Lord, would you speak to my heart? Would you bring a calm to my heart? Uh, Would you help me to gain from your word that which would help me to be stable in my relationship with you, uh, not waffling, not being tossed to and fro, uh, not struggling, but just settled in you? Lord, we confess that we do need you desperately, and our nation needs you, and we pray for her right now. Lord, we pray for a great awakening across our land, and I pray for revival among your people, just like us. Lord, we need revival. Lord, we need to be walking in a way that pleases you. Lord, we need to be walking in a way that demonstrates to the world around us that we are, uh, we are for you alone, and that we... Uh, Stand with your truth. And Lord, I pray that you would help us. And Lord, we pray that as we learn from your word tonight, would you give us, would you meet the need of every heart here tonight? Lord, I don't know where everyone is emotionally, uh, mentally, uh, where they are in their day-to-day walk with you. But Lord, I do pray that you would meet our spiritual needs. Lord, you said that your word is what would give us strength in our inner man, and so we're asking for that this evening. We submit ourselves to you, and we're asking that you would help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we jump into 3 John, we've noticed that these are just real tiny letters, uh, real brief letters, 13 uh, verses or so, and uh, they, they speak to church people like you and I, uh, and I think that's one of the things as we're studying scripture, we have to really uh, remind ourselves up. We're not, uh, we're not talking to super Christians. We're talking to people just like you and I that have problems, that have uh, issues, worries, anxieties, just like you and I. And so when the Bible is highlighting an individual like this, I find great hope in the fact that uh, you and I can take that example and we can walk with it, we can live with it, and know that if God has done it for somebody else, he can do it for me. And so we've, uh, we jump into this passage of Scripture tonight. It's a personal letter from John. Yes, he wrote the Gospel of John. He also wrote what we just read in Revelation under inspiration of uh, the Holy Spirit. God used him to write. John was called the disciple of love. 
Uh, he was one that loved and learned how to love alongside of, of uh, Christ. Uh, he learned how to love, and he was a, a man that was fully devoted to God, and God used him mightily. Uh, John uh, suffered for the Lord on the Isle of Patmos, and uh, there's, there's stories that he was even tortured for his, his faith and uh, even dipped in hot oil. John knew what it was to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ, yet had such a wonderful spirit of love towards Christ and love towards uh, others. And he also had a boundary to his love, and that was the boundary of truth. When John loved, he loved inside the sphere of truth. He did not love outside of God's truth. He loved within the sphere of God's truth. He allowed his love to be dominated or dictated by truth. And he's highlighting an individual here that is living and walking in that way. But John is writing this letter in specific to help him in one specific area that we dealt with last week and dealing with this man diatrophies, not to feel like he had to uh, go out of his way to show hospitality to somebody who is walking contrary to the truth. In fact, someone who is causing great trouble and division in the church. He says, listen, I don't want you to, I don't want you to uh, feel obligated in that way. You need to know that there is a boundary to your love. Uh, Demetrius later on is brought up in this, in this letter, and there's a person that, uh, that Gaius needed to continue to love and reach out to. There was a church that Gaius needed to reach out to and continue to love. There was John who needed to reach out to and continue to love. And so John is dealing in this very personal letter to an individual, a believer just like you and I. And he's helping them to understand how his love and how his hospitality needs to be guided by truth. Tonight we're going to really just get a quick glimpse of this man Gaius and understand how that we can take his example and run with it and live it out even tomorrow. There's four different characters that are brought up in the book of, uh, of 3 John or this letter, and it is John the writer. It is Gaius, this godly, hospitable believer. It's Demetrius, a traveling preacher, and a Diotrephes who was a self-seeking, as we learned last week, really a congregational bully, someone who was seeking the preeminence within the church, a place that belongs to Jesus Christ, a, uh, a, a, a position that belongs alone to Jesus Christ. So with these four different characters that are um, being brought to service, we just understand that this snapshot, this letter, really is dealing with a life of a believer being lived out, just like your life and my life is being lived out. We come across some people that, boy, they're, they're serving the Lord and, and we can minister to them. And then there's some folks that are, 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 are going against the Lord and they're trying to promote themselves and, and seek self-promotion and, and live a, a prideful life. And, and God says, hey, I want you to steer away from them. This is an intensely practical letter that is given to Gaius. It was the second to the last book at least in chronology, uh, written in the New Testament. Uh, the one later would be um, the book of Revelation. And so this, was a, uh, this, was, this would have been um, a book that was written, or a letter that was written a, a, a good distance, a, a good many years away from the starting of the church as we've been learning in the book of Acts. So I just want you to know the church has been underway, and here is a believer that needs this encouragement, and God wants us to grab this encouragement as well. Now, you say, what in the world? Uh, Pastor, we're in the middle of kind of chaos in our country. Okay, I, yes, I get it. And my heart is really burdened. In all honesty, it, 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 it grieves me a lot. The corruption, the lying, the deceit, uh, it all grieves me. And as I awoke this morning, just knowing where, where we are, and, and really still we're all in suspense, right? 
But the fact of the matter is, one of the things that came across my mind, uh, uh, two things. Uh, the song, This Is My Father's World. It is my father's world. He will not be mocked. My God is a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. And no matter whether it's a lie in my life or a lie that is played out on a national level, my God is a God of truth, and he will hold those that perpetrate lying and deceit, he will hold them to account. I do not want to stand before the Lord in their shoes. Now, beyond that, how are we supposed to live in days that are so chaotic? How are we supposed to conduct our Christian lives? You know, we've been talking about this fact that the Bible says that it is, is given to us not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. We talk about persecution, and I remember even uh, last night as, as some of the coverage was going on and, and, and making, uh, making uh, possibly unsaved folks saying, uh, if, uh, if one side gets in, it is, it is definite opposition and persecution for the church. Say, saying that, I mean, this, this isn't a Christian organization that, that's saying that. It, it's, it's, it's out there. It's, a, it's an understood. We talk about that, and, and, and we see that that's a very different thought process for us here in America. That's a very different thought process for me. Even last night, I, I found myself saying to the Lord, Lord, if you, if you in my lifetime lead me through that, help me to be faithful to you no matter what. How are we supposed to live in the middle of all this? Our lives are changing. No matter what happens over the next couple days, our lives are changing. There is unrest in our country that, that we've been seeing for, for weeks here, months here, but our lives are changing. The way that we go about living, it, it, it's, it's not 1950s America. Now, there's, there has always been a difficulty. There's always been opposition to God's truth and to God's people. Uh, the world has never been a friend of the church. Never. How are we supposed to live? And the reason I'm staying here in 3 John this evening is because I think here's a, here's a man who in a microcosm inside of the church had some unrest, some division, some problems, people seeking to promote themselves in, an un, in, in, uh, in a wrong way, to exalt themselves over God, uh, and, and to, to self-promote. But in a microcosm, here is, here's a man who's, who's just trying to live for God and trying to love as he ought to, and there's some problems, there's some issues in his life, and here's a man who, uh, as other people would look onto his life, would say, there is a blessed believer. Someone, though, his government wasn't all for him, even within the church there was some issues, uh, there, here's a man who just continued consistently to live out his Christian life. And John highlights that, and God highlights that for us tonight. Because it opens up and immediately we, and we see this, this letter, this short letter is addressed from the elder to this well-beloved Gaius. 
Now let's, let's understand something. We can learn from a believer who lived 2,000 years ago and God intended for us to have, he preserved in his word for us today to have the example of Gaius in the book of 3 John, the letter of 3 John for us. We can inform our living 2,000 years later from this man's life and from a lot of other lives in scripture. And I hope that you'll, you'll gain some insight tonight along with me. The Lord has encouraged me with this. Is it not possible for us to go into the word of God? He, the Bible said the meditation of him, his truth, would be sweet. Is it not possible to go into the word of God and allow God's word, his characters, his truth, to settle and calm our hearts and to give us direction that will propel us into the next week and will help us to live godly in this present world? Yes. And so let's look at this man, Gaius. Notice first that he was greatly loved. It said several times in this, in this letter, he was greatly loved, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. Think about that. Uh, you might write to your spouse, my dearest. You might write to a child, uh, something along that line. And you might put ahead, uh, ahead of it uh, some, uh, some very loving greeting. Here John is writing to this, this man Gaius, not in a, a weird way at all, in a, in a very Christian sense. Uh, the word is agapitas. It is, it is, uh, uh, he is referencing Gaius as one who I sacrificially love just like Christ loves you. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. I want you to notice that Gaius was a, a person who was greatly loved by not just John, but by believers. Well-beloved. The name Gaius is mentioned three times in the New Testament, but uh, from our understanding, none of those other three times, Romans 16, 23, and also in the book of Acts 19 and 20, none of those other times are the same Gaius. We believe this to be uh, a Gaius all to himself. It must have been a, a, a little bit of a, a popular name. But this man here in 3 John was a well-beloved individual, a well-beloved, cherished, dearly loved believer. It's said in verse 1, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 11 that he was beloved. That he was sacrificially loved. He was one who they loved in Christ. Gaius had committed his life to loving others. Look at verse number 5. It says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Gaius, you love the brethren. Faithfully, you do it with all your might. You do it with everything you have. You do it consistently. And Gaius had committed his life to loving others. And it's interesting that Gaius was a kind of believer that operated inside the sphere of love in his dealings with one another. If he were in the assembly tonight, he would just be looking for the opportunity to sacrificially love. It, it emanated from his life. And I wonder tonight, is that the type of Christian that we are? Am I a Gaius? Am I a Gaius who loved like Christ? Gaius did not wait to be loved. Gaius had a testimony for loving others. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and verse 19, we love him, Jesus, because he first loved us. Listen, you, you should not, if you're a believer here tonight, you should not be looking for people to love you first and say, then I will love them. But as a believer, we love like Christ. We extend the loving hand. We extend the loving word. We extend the loving mindset. And how important even in our families that we extend that love with, uh, without it um, coming back towards us. We love him because he first loved us. Gaius was a, 
uh, an example of Christ-likeness in this area. He was one who reached out and loved the church. He reached out and loved John, John the elder. He loved, and, and, and thereby, he was well-beloved. I want you to notice he was loved by his fellow believers. He was well-beloved in verse 1. But he was loved by John. Uh, this word elder in the New Testament is a reference to what we would say is a job description of a pastor. There's several different uh, words in Scripture that are used. Another one would be bishop. Another idea of, of, of the pastor is shepherd, and that's what the word pastor means. Uh, we're, we're told to, to oversee uh, the flock. But here John uses this word, the elder, one who is responsible for the flock, and uh, responsible under the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, the elder unto the well-beloved. Hey, as a pastor, John is saying, I'm writing to you, Gaius, and I want you to know that, that I love you in the Lord as well. Gaius was a friend to John. John loved him according to the truth. It says there, whom I love in the truth. I love in the truth. I love inside the sphere of God's truth. In other words, there was a connect between John and Gaius because of God's truth. They had agreement on God's truth. Amos 3 and verse number 3 says this, Can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's amazing how fast there are going to be folks that exit out of your life because they don't agree with you anymore. You are new. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 uh, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So sometimes you look at it and say, well, why did they just leave? Why don't they get it? I love Jesus Christ now. I want to read the Bible. I want to fellowship with God's people. And they don't seem to get it because... Can two walk together except they be agreed? It's not that you left them. They chose to walk out on you because they no longer uh, like hanging around because you don't laugh at the same things. You don't have the same enjoyments. You don't have the same perspective anymore because God's changing your perspective. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Gaius and John were in agreement in the, in the sphere of God's truth. Gaius' relationship says a lot about him and his walk with God. Now, I want you to think about this. Here's a man. Uh, he's, not, he's not a, it doesn't say he had a position in the church. It, it says that he, he served and loved the church. It, it seems here in this passage of Scripture he was known for his hospitality. If you were coming through town, Gaius would stop you and say, hey, stay at my house. Uh, we'll brew a pot of coffee or whatever they did. Uh, he was that type of guy. And so much so that it was almost to his fault because John had to encourage him, hey, make sure that you're not doing this with, uh, with a person that is seeking to disrupt the church. Make sure that you are allowing uh, truth to be the boundary. So Gaius' relationship with John says a lot about him and his walk with God. He wanted to be around uh, a spiritual leader. He, he wasn't uh, unnerved by that. That wasn't a problem for him. He wasn't nervous about that. He was open in that relationship, and they had a, a common relationship around truth. Gaius sought to be close to John as a spiritual leader. You know, it's, it's often interesting, those that begin to, to, uh, to walk away from God oftentimes become, uh, and, and oftentimes become kind of uh, isolated or distant from the shepherd. First of all, from the shepherd, but also from an under-shepherd. 
And it's amazing how many times it, it will happen. Uh, something begins to change in the heart, and then there becomes a distance, and eye contact isn't made. And you know, it, 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 it's amazing how fast that happens. But it says something about Gaius here, that he wanted to be around John, and he enjoyed that, that relationship with this elder and, 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 and wanted to be there. And for John, what a joy it was. In fact, he says that. It was a joy to him. The way that Gaius lived his life was a joy to him. I think of 2 Timothy 1 and verse number 16, when Paul said of Onesiphorus, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Well, he's right there with me. And what a testimony to his relationship with God because he wanted to be around God's man. And so I just want you to understand that Gaius was greatly loved, not just by the people within his church, uh, he was well-beloved, but also by John. But notice he was spiritually thriving. In verse number two, Beloved, again, dressing Gaius, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Here John is praying for Gaius. That word wish is, is exactly that, to pray. Uh, to make a request. I wish above all things, when I think of you, I, I pray for your for your blessing upon your life. Now, notice what he says, first of all here. He prays that he would prosper. He prays that he would prosper in his living, in his existence, in his daily life, that he would develop is what the word means, that he would develop in his career, in his job, in his service to the Lord, that he would develop. And he also prayed that he would prosper in his health. Sometimes we might wonder, what should we pray for one another? What should I pray for my spouse? What should I pray for my children? What should I pray for my fellow uh, uh, Sunday school mates? What should I pray for the children of the church? Well, we could take a clue from John right here, and we can pray for their prospering, their development. We can pray for the development and the prospering in marriages and in parenting. You know that marriages and parenting right now in, in our day, I mean, it isn't getting any easier. It's not getting any easier to live as a Christian. So how we ought to pray that in life, that, that there would be prospering in marriages and parenting and in work. Do you know that God wants to give us a, the ability and skill? Go back to the New, Old Testament, the book of Genesis, and you find that God was the one that gave skill to people in how to perform their jobs. You think God gave skill to Noah when he told him to build an ark? I haven't seen that before. He'd never done that before. He could not go to YouTube and find how to build arcs. No one had done it. Who gave him the skill? God did. You know the first musical instruments, Brother Huey. God gave the skill to, to create those instruments. The Bible begins to talk about tubas and brass instruments and stringed instruments. Where did they get the skill to do that? God gave that. Can we not pray for one another that God would give skill to accomplish our work for his glory? Is God not glorified when Christians do the very best work and ex excel in their, in their labors and in their efforts and in their careers? Are we not blessed when we see on a national stage someone who acknowledges God excelling in, 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 their, in their brilliance and in their, in their profession and in their, their positions? Are, is God not glorified in those moments? Absolutely. We ought to pray. John prayed that God would give Gaius a development in his, in his life, physically in his life. I think we can pray that God would prosper us in our witness. God, help us. 
Help us to be better witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. I uh, stopped by a store this morning on, on my way in, and I, I was thinking, you know, Lord, today just seems burdensome and uncertain. What do I do now? Witness. Uh, stop and talk to the first person you see. Witness. I, I do the same thing you were supposed to do yesterday. Just get at it. But shouldn't we pray for one another? Lord, help Help our witness not just be something that we attend or we, we kind of programmatically get involved in, but Lord, everywhere I go, help your word to be on my mouth. Help the conversation to quickly get there. You know, that takes development. That doesn't happen overnight. But I'll tell you, the Lord wants to help us with that. I think we ought to pray for one another in that way. But for health, you know, something that we've been praying for ever since this year, this year, March 15th, uh, got into play. It's for health. God give health. I can think of some churches uh, in our state that need our prayers. Uh, they're struggling with health. They're struggling with, with uh, the virus. And, and boy, what a, what a burden it is. But, you know, I think we ought to pray for one another daily. The world is in fear. The world is struggling with all of this. Should not we be praying and lifting up one another's health before God? Should we, not we expect him to, to be the one who, who created our bodies to be able to take care of us? Should, and we shouldn't live foolishly, but at the same time, should we not be praying for one another? John prayed. Do you see this? He prayed for his health. I think of two folks in our, our church, at, at least, and we prayed for on the, the call today, that have, have cancer. And uh, Brother Mike was in the uh, hospital with some surgery today. Shall we not pray for their health? Yes. John prayed for his health, his protection from sickness. Boy, I pray daily for the protection of our church and our health. God, give us health for your glory's sake and give us opportunity to give you glory for it. John prays that God's blessing would be on Gaius, and I want you to really catch this. Don't miss the rest of verse number two. Look at the last phrase there with me. Even as thy soul prospereth. I want you to say that out loud with me. Even as thy soul prospereth. So I want you to catch what John is, is saying here. He's saying, I'm, I, I'm praying for physical blessing on your life. That includes your development in life. I'm praying for your health. But I'm praying that those things would mirror what you're allowing God to do in your life spiritually. Sometimes I'll, I'll say to somebody, I'll say, you know, I pray God's blessing on you as you continue to seek the Lord. And you say, well, you have a caveat on that. Yeah, God's not going to bless when we turn our backs on him and when we want to go our own way. So I say, I pray God's richest blessing on you as you continue to seek the Lord. John is exactly saying that here. I pray that God would bless you spiritually in such a grand, physically in such a grand way as you continue to allow him to develop you in your life spiritually. What would happen if our, our, spiritual, or our physical blessings mirrored what we are allowing God to do in our lives right now. What would happen in your life tonight? What would your life look like if you, if your, if your physical blessings were mirroring what you, how you were saying yes to God? 
I think that's a powerful thought. Because John says, even as a soul prospereth, even as your soul, your spiritual life is developing. And this is a passive idea in the sense that, that, that John, that Gaius is allowing God to work in his life, and so he is developing. I can't change me. You can't change you. The Holy Spirit wants to. And the Holy Spirit will, Christ will make us new creatures. It's with the washing of the water by, of the word that we are changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's all this that God is doing in our hearts and he wants to do that changing in our life. And as we allow it, we develop. We go forward spiritually. We prosper spiritually. Gaius allowed God to develop him spiritually. Are you allowing God to develop you spiritually? Are you saying yes to God tonight? Are you saying whatever you want from me? Even if it means difficult times, are you saying yes to God? The Bible says, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. There is an active command that God gives to you and I. Hey, if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, walk like it, live like it, live it out in your daily life. And then he goes on to give us some other passive ideas that as we're walking out, hey, God will do this in your life. As you're practicing truth, God will do this in your life. He says in verse number seven, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. There is the need for you and I to say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, just continue to develop me and to change me to be more like Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, even as we go through these, these, these uncertain times, that God wants to make us look more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I've had to say, uh, Lord, whatever you want, I submit to you. Because the way I think isn't happening. It's not going the way I want it to go. It doesn't look the way I, I'm not comfortable right now. And so we can allow the Lord to change us and to develop us to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Gaius was doing. And John's prayer was, Gaius, as you continue to allow God to develop you spiritually, I pray that God will bless you, and I pray that God will keep you healthy. And this was not a precursor to the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. He was simply praying for physical blessings to match what he was allowing God to do in his life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, is the principle. So there was a spiritual prospering that was seen in Gaius's life. And John prayed that it would continue. I want you to notice in verses 3 and 4 really where I want to get to the heart of what I'd like to lay in our minds tonight. He was consistently obedient. He was consistently obedient. Notice in verse number 3, John rejoiced greatly because there were some brethren that came over, similar to what we heard in 2 John already, there were some brethren that came over and said, listen, this man Gaius over there, John, uh, he, is, he is a fine Christian. He is a fine little Christ. He is living out Christi his Christian faith in just an amazing way. You've you, you got to hear some of the stories uh, that we observed in John's life, in Gaius's life. And so I want you to notice Gaius was consistent. They came and testified of the truth that is in thee. They came and gave stories of the truth at work in Gaius's life. Notice the conviction of truth that Gaius had. 
And by the conviction, I mean a heart-level belief, a, a rock-solid belief. Uh, he was a, holding on to truth in his heart. This wasn't something that he just did as an outward facade. Truth was in his heart, and it was driving Gaius. They observed that for Gaius, God's truth was a deeply held conviction. You know, as we've gone through this, um, this year of trying, I, I, I do believe that one of the things that God was doing was testing us as believers, proving us as believers to see whether uh, what we were saying about him and us saying about walking with him, whether it was really true, whether it was genuine. For Gaius, it was a genuine heart-level commitment to truth in his heart. And when people were in conversation with Gaius, they left and they walked away being impacted by the truth that was, was alive and well and, and brimming within him. Gaius was a man of truth. Uh, his, his, his life showed that, his heart, his attitude showed that. We already mentioned the verse, uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 4. The Bible says, he, God, is a rock. And if you haven't underlined that right now, it would be a good time to underline Deuteronomy 32 and verse number 4. He, God, is a rock. His work is perfect. Do you believe that tonight? Everything he's doing is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. They're right. He knows what's right, and he knows what's wrong, and it'll all come into account. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. That's reassuring. That's my God. My God has never once told a lie or fabricated a scheme of corruption. Not once. The Bible says it's impossible. Titus 1 verse 2. It's impossible for our God to lie. Lying and deceit make us, makes us to feel violated. But our God will never do that to us. His word is truth. And Gaius was a man who who has so allowed God to transform him that his life was exemplifying God's truth. Everywhere he went, people were, were testifying, hey, Gaius, John, I just want you to know, Gaius is a man who really, really believes this stuff. Believes the word of God. He believes it. Paul said of Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, verse number 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. He had the same concept that John was getting across with Gaius. This is in you. This is a part of you. This has become a part of the fabric of your being. You've, you've woven God's truth into who you are so that when you think, you think truth. When you speak, you think you speak truth. When you have an attitude, it's an attitude of truth. When you have a thought in your, in your mind, it is, uh, you, you, you capture that thought with, with truth, and it is, it is in you, it's a part of you. Gaius was not moved by every wind of doctrine that came through. He would quickly be encouraged by John in this matter of diatrophies a little later on in the letter. He'd quickly be encouraged by him and, and he, would be, he would be helped by truth. And he wasn't one like is talked about in Ephesians 4 and verse number 14 that's tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine or every new thing that comes along. Gaius had truth in his heart. It was a conviction. It was there. And I wonder, is the truth in you tonight? When 
the world begins to oppose the truth. When the world begins to say, hey, your truth isn't good for us, we don't want to hear it anymore. We don't like the fact that you have an allegiance to that truth, the truth of Scripture. When they begin to do that, will the truth be so in you that it will not, you will not let go, that it is a part of who you are? It is a, a firmly held conviction. Think about it. The same man who stood up at Caesarea and said to Jesus, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. was the same man who around the campfire when the Romans had Jesus in the, in the court, in the judgment hall, said, I never knew him. I don't know him. And cursed the name of Jesus Christ. At some point, there needed, hey, Peter understood here, But there was a lapse in having the truth in his heart and a part of him so that he wasn't, he wasn't fearful of what man would do to him. I marvel at what happens from that point around the, the fire to John chapter 21 where Jesus goes after Peter and, and pulls him back and restores him to standing up at Pentecost and then we have Acts 4 and Acts 5 where he's told to stop preaching in Jesus' name, and he says, we, 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 can't, we can't stop. We're not going to stop. I'm not going to stop proclaiming the truth. What happened? The truth took up residence inside of him. It was a deeply held conviction, and you could not stop Peter. Not because of who Peter was, but because the truth was burning within him. Oh, that we as a church, let's, let's pray that for one another. Oh, that we as a church would so have the truth in our hearts, like a Gaius. That it wouldn't be something that, it, just when we're around each other or in the right crowd or in a non-opposing crowd that we'd stand for the truth, but that the truth would be a part of who we are. And so is the truth in you tonight. The Bible says the law of God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. There's stability when the truth of God's word is in our heart. There's stability, and there will be stability for you tomorrow when God's truth is dictating your heart, has so grabbed a hold of your heart that it's there, that this is your compass, that this is, this is what is guiding you, this is what you have, have uh, hitched to as your constant, and that's what was going on in Gaius' life. His convictions were lived out, though, because notice in verse number four, even as thou walkest, into verse number three, even as thou walkest in the truth, so I've heard about these guys coming over and they're saying, hey, the truth is in you, uh, Gaius, but they've also seen it being lived out in your life to be walked out in your behavior. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What was John saying? That Gaius wasn't his child. Gaius was a spiritual child. He had led him to the Lord. And so he, he's saying, listen, boy, this is just wonderful to me. This is the, the greatest joy. I find a, an amazing amount of joy in the fact that I hear people saying of you, you have a testimony that there's not only truth inside of you, but you're living that out in your daily life. You're living that out in, in front of the world. And by the way, we think, oh, it was easy for them to live it out in their world. Listen, they had a much, uh, much greater opposition to their Christian faith than we do right now. <laughs> 
People were dying for their faith. John, John would be dipped in oil. Boiling oil. And think about that. He'd be tortured for his faith. But Gaius was a man who was walking it out. He was living it out. He was demonstrating it. Those other Christians who came back and reported to John, they could tell that the truth was in Gaius because they saw that it dictated the way he lived his life. The reason we gather together tonight is to allow truth to come into our hearts so it dictates the way that we live tomorrow. What you believe in your heart will always become a part of your behavior. And so how we ought to pray, Lord, help my belief. Sometimes we can get so focused on what I do. Allow God's word to change how you think so that it becomes a part of how you act, how you behave. Don't so much worry whether you're acting like somebody. Let's start at the heart. Let's be like a Gaius who has the truth in our heart. Now, there's a sense where we can, just like we're learning from Gaius tonight, there's a sense where we can learn and apply that into our lives. But oh, how we need to walk in truth. And so I bring us down to this, this last thought. How should we face these uncertain days? How, how are we to live in this day? And we could all talk, we could be here till a long time with different opinions and so on. But we see problems around us. We see corruption. We don't know where it all is. We're not God. But we see it. And at the very least, we're in very uncertain times. And who knows what the next week holds for us? Who knows what we'll go through before we get to Sunday? The truth God impressed upon my heart this morning is, okay, I was getting ready. Like, how do we go through this day? I wake up and do the same thing God told me to do yesterday. Live according to his word in this world. Share Christ with as many people as I possibly can. Live according to truth. How do, we, how do we go about tomorrow? Open up the word of God, read it, allow it to become a part of our life, and live according to truth. The world's not going to live according to truth. What happened when the pressure was turned up for Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10? You can't pray to your God anymore. We have a different truth for you to follow. We want you to worship the king. We want you to revere the government above your king. What do you do? He goes to his house. He kneels down three times a day, as he did a four time. God's will for your life and my life has not changed. We're still supposed to walk in Christ's likeness according to his truth, and we're still supposed to win this world to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, I guarantee you this world is going to be clamoring for answers. We have a harvest that is coming to us, and we need to be ready. We need to have the tracks in the pocket. We need to have God's word on our lips. We need to be ready. Because when people begin to wake up and realize that there's uncertain days ahead, it is the uncertainty that causes people to begin to think about God.
So can I just leave you with this tonight? What do you do tomorrow? Walk in truth. Walk according to truth. Have it in your heart. Live it out in your life. No matter what opposition you get. No matter how many people are against you. Christians have always been in the minority. And maybe that feels a little bit different for us, but God's will is still the same as it was for yesterday. Let's get up tomorrow. Let's open up our Bibles. Let's get into the Word. Let the Word get into us. And let's live it out in our daily lives by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be discouraged. This is a great day in which to live. This is a great day in which to live. God is on the move. God is working in our church. He's working in your hearts. He's making you to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just submit to him. Say yes to him. And Lord, however uncomfortable it gets, I want to do your will. And let's just not forget, as we uh, take some time for prayer here tonight, the same God of the Old Testament who sent hornets to take care of God's enemies, the enemies of truth, uh, the same God that could stand the sun still while God's people avenged God's enemies, the same God that for the children of Israel, they woke up having been surrounded by the Assyrian army, and they woke up and they look out over a field and 185,000 Assyrians are lying dead in the field by God. They did not lift a sword. Our God's still the same God. His truth will prevail. We're, we're not on the losing side. We're not. And so my prayer for me, personally, this is, God is working in my heart, personally. Lord, just help me to walk in your truth. Help me to live it out. Help me to live it out in my family. Help me to live it out in our church. Help me to live it out in our community. Help me. And so I ask that you pray the same thing and encourage you to do so. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.